kids, you did amazingly well. Thank you so much for entertaining us, but also teaching us something of the incredible privilege we have to come and get to know God, the greatest treasure of all, Jesus Christ, the greatest treasure that we could ever know. And I want to talk about uh, treasure hunting. Has anybody ever been in a treasure hunt? Pardon? I didn't quite hear you. Yes. Okay, can you put your hands up if you've ever been on a treasure hunt, anybody? Okay, great stuff. See, treasure hunt, looking for treasure doesn't only happen when you're on a treasure hunt. I do it quite often, uh, and I'll get to that in just a minute, because I think there are different ways of looking for treasure, five different ways, and we'll look at these today. I'm going to pick out three of them really to focus on, but really quickly, uh, five different ways of looking for treasure. Firstly, Indiana Jones style, proper treasure hunting. This is where, unlike we, we had in our play, that actually... When you're hunting for treasure, sometimes you know what you're looking for, and you're just not quite sure what it is, but you're following clues to get you there. You're following clues to just help you get to the, to the treasure, and once you've found it, you're, you're happy, you're made up, because you know that everything's going to be okay. You're looking, you've got a plan. Secondly, treasure hoping. This is usually where you're out looking for treasure, but you don't know where to find it, or you, you just you don't know what you're going to find. Sorry, you, you're hoping you'll find something, and this guy here in the picture has got a metal detector. So he's out searching, and he might find some treasure one day, but he's going to keep on looking for it. This is the kind of treasure hunting I do most of the time. Uh, if, ever, if, if you're like me at all, there's, a, there's the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. There's another Trinity, which is wallet, phone, and keys. And uh, generally, the check before you go out the house is wallet, phone, keys, wallet, phone, keys, wallet, phone, keys. Um, it's a bit like the one you do in the airport where you're going passport, 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 wallet, passport, passport, passport. Just to check you've got it all the time. So this is my kind of other way of seeking where you, you know what you're looking for, but you haven't got a clue where it is and you're going to turn the house upside down to find it. Fourthly, this is when you're not bothered. Where actually you don't care if there's treasure and you don't care about finding it and you're just not really bothered. And then fifthly, finally, this is where you know what the treasure is, you know where to find it, but you're just not going. So I think there's three of these folk in the Bible story that we had today. Firstly, we've got the wise men, the, the people who were on their quest to find the treasure. The wise men, I think, these magi, these astrologers, these people who've come from Babylon to look for a king. Who on earth are they? Well, the Bible uses this word, I don't know if you can see this, um, just up here, magi, magi. Funny little word, isn't it? Some Bible translations say wise men. And uh, we, we often sing songs like we three kings. Then they're almost certainly not kings. They may have been wise. But this word magi actually links to the word magician. These were people that normally would be so far removed from the Jewish faith, from the faith of Joseph and faith of Mary and the faith of the others around, so far removed, there wouldn't have been anything to do with it. But these were the people that came looking. They knew what they were looking for, and they were following clues. And I think they teach us some massive principles about looking for the treasure and about what you do when you find it. Have you ever wondered how they chose those gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were, after all, wise men. They were astrologers for looking at the stars. How on earth did they choose those gifts? If you've ever wondered that, I've got the answer for you. Here we go. I told you we should have gone to the game store. Melchior, the son of God, is a little baby. 
Not to mention the saviour of mankind. I hardly think Call of Duty is an appropriate gift in either case. Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably too... violent. Seriously, do you even know what we're supposed to be doing here, Melchior? Yeah, we're looking for gifts, like... Hey, what's more appropriate than this keep calm and save mankind novelty apron? Huh? Yeah? And we are quite literally going to meet our maker. Yeah, but Not to mention get a chance to prove that he is the king of kings, no matter what anybody else thinks. So let's fight the urge to buy useless tat, shall we? It's easy for you, Balthazar. You've got tons of bling. And all you have to do is wave your hand and voila, gold. Yeah, but th they do say, though, that the present that shows the most love is that which one gives from his own possessions. Which is why I'm going to be giving the baby my finest gold necklace. <laughs> yeah, and this gold ring, of course. <coughs> and, and this ring, too, yes. And these sock suspenders down here. Well, there are some lovely things in here inside this ornament rhino. Oh, some smelly things, at least. I was a... oh! oh, what on earth? <laughs> Wait, look up, look up. It's in my eyes. Don't blow it, It's it? myrrh oh. in a highly concentrated form. Pungent doesn't even cover it. <laughs> uh, uh, and this is more appropriate than Call of Duty. How? Well, it symbolises bitterness, anguish and suffering. His death was foretold. It was written that he might give his life, that those who believe in him might live. Oh, yeah, it's what you want, isn't it? Happy birthday, you're blind! Yeah, it's also a holy anointing oil. Mm? Mm. Well, well, how about this look? It's, it's whiffy, but Ooh. less eye-bleedingly so. Frankincense. Yeah. Mm, pleasant and medicinal. Mm. Both at the same time. This can be my gift! Excellent! Yes, also symbolic. For it was written that he would be sacrificed and saviour to all mankind. Ho <laughs> ho! They don't call us wise men for nothing, do they? <laughs> right, anyway, where are we going? You were sorting that, weren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got the GSP. There we go. I think you mean GPS. Yeah, that's the yes, wasn't it? Give it here. No. no, it's broken. It's not, is it? It's, it's going down the road, and then down to the left, and it takes us to a stable. It's hardly going to be in a mm. stable, is it? Well, it's probably just on the left there, look, next to that little flashing star icon. I've never seen that before. No, whatever it says, we better get out of here. Let's pay for these. You pay for these. <laughs> Guys, I, I can't... I don't know, if you give me some money, I don't even know where the pay desk Well, maybe it was like that. Who knows? Um, so the wise men choosing their gifts. The, the second person I want to look at quickly is Herod. Now, I've said here that Herod's not bothered. In the sense, he's not bothered in one sense because he doesn't know there's a king coming. He thinks he's it. And actually, what we learn in the story is that there's a point at which he becomes very bothered. The story actually says when Herod heard the news about the baby coming, he was disturbed and the whole city was as well. Herod goes from being not bothered at all to being very, very bothered. And Herod teaches us that it's quite easy to see Jesus as a threat. Now, this might seem really weird because a baby in a lane in a manger or a religious figure or someone who's worshipped by Christians, then why on earth could he be a threat? But to all of us, Jesus is a threat. He's a threat in the sense that life can't stay the same after you encounter Jesus. Once you meet with him, life has to change. It has to be different. You can't carry on as things were before. And Herod realizes this. He realizes that his own kingship is threatened if he just allows Jesus to be born and to exist. Everything he holds true is at risk. 
He's at risk because he can't carry on being king of his own little world anymore. And the truth is this, that when we meet with Jesus, we can't either. And that Jesus offers us an incredible exchange, that we could come and worship him, but we'll get to that in a minute. The third group of people, and these are the ones I find most baffling, if I'm really honest with you. Um, We had scholars and advisors and a whole crowd around Herod in the play a minute ago. Um, But there's this group of people that were with Herod. And I find them baffling because Herod asks them, where's the Messiah going to be born? Where's the greatest treasure going to come? And it's baffling because they know the answer. According to the Bible, they already know where he's coming. And you think, well, if you know where the Messiah's coming, what are you doing serving Herod? Why are you in Jerusalem when you should be in Bethlehem waiting for the Messiah to come? I find it absolutely baffling that they're not there. And I think they teach us something really important. They teach us that it's possible to know all the right answers and miss the point. It's possible to get it all right in your head, to have it all lined up, to know who Jesus is, to know what Christmas is all about, to to understand it all and still miss the point. And that's really sad. What do the wise men do when they find treasure? The Bible tells us this. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold frankincense, and myrrh. This was the reason they'd come. They hadn't really come to bring the gifts. The gifts were a a sign of what was going on. The the gifts were a sign of their worship. It was an outward expression of something that was happening on the inside. But they'd come to worship. The wise men, the magi, had traveled to be with Jesus to worship him. we, we, We worship through singing quite often, but... They hadn't come to sing a song. Ross wasn't there with his guitar, whether it was plugged in or not. He wasn't there accompanying them in the background. They didn't sing a little song. Actually, they'd come to all the way to pay their respects, to bow down and to say, you are the king of the Jews. Jesus told a story, and I'm going to finish with this. Jesus told a story about a man who, was, who he loved pearls, he collected pearls, and he found one one day. The Bible says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. That lovely illustration we had at the end about the, the necklace versus a life. What's, what's more important? Well, actually, it's a life, isn't it? Is that right? Is that right? Sorry. I, I was giving it my own answer, wasn't I? And you were trying to help us. Sarah, what's more important? A life, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and we learned the story there that the life was, was much more important than the necklace. And when it comes down to it, Jesus says this. He says that actually the kingdom of God is just like a man who's looking for pearls and he finds one that's worth more than any others and he sells everything. Now, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine going back home to, my, to my, sell my house and my, all my other pearls and everything else I've got to buy one that's just more special. But Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is worth everything. So I want to ask a simple question today. Which character are you more like? Out of those people looking for treasure, which one are we more like? Are we like the people who know the plan? We know where we're going. We're following the clues. We're going to get to the treasure. Are we like the ones who who are desperately searching and we're kind of looking around. We're not quite sure what we might find, but we're looking anyway. 
We're out there with our metal detector, as it were. We're looking, there's got to be some meaning out here. I'm just going to keep looking for it. I want to encourage you. If you feel like that, then keep searching today. Keep looking because Jesus will be found by you. He doesn't hide. Thirdly, you might be a person who's like looking under the sofa and going, ah, oh, I know there's something important here, but I've lost it. If you feel like you've had faith, but you've lost it somehow, Jesus will be found by you. He wants to be found by you. He's not far away. He's not going to taunt you or mock you. If you feel like you're Herod today, like you're profoundly threatened by Jesus, I encourage you and challenge you. Yes, you are, but it's worth everything. Jesus is worth exchanging absolutely everything for. And finally, if you're like those advisors, that you know all the answers, you know all the answers, but you've missed the point. I want to encourage you today that, that Christmas isn't just about knowing the truth about Jesus, but there's an opportunity to meet him and to go on meeting him. And it's possible for us. Albert prayed a, a lovely prayer earlier. How, how many years have you been a Christian? 40, that's really old. 47 years. You, you, you're the only person ever to have become a Christian before you were, 10 years before you were born, aren't you? That's right. Um, yeah. uh, no, 47 years. It's been a Christian. Now, it's quite possible for somebody who's been a Christian just to lose their way a little bit and to end up in any of those positions. And I want to encourage you today, wherever you find yourself, let's be those who seek Jesus and find him. You see, the Bible story, the the play that we've had beautifully demonstrated to us today, illustrates this point. Number one, that God doesn't hide from us, that he wants to be found. Number two, that it's possible to find him when we search for him. And number three, when we do find him, The only thing that is worth giving is everything we've got for his sake, that we might know him and be set free and live a new life. I wonder how we'll respond today to the King of Kings. I hope we'll respond with worship and nothing less. Shall we pray?